Blog Talk Radio. Okay, Mike, you're on the air. Peach State Pandemonium. Oh, good. We're giving up on the music finally. Good. Well, I've hit it again, and it's just it's just spinning round and round and round. Let's see how many seconds it's got to go. We're up to 22, 23. My guess is it's going to just, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's out. Now let's see if it'll play when it wants to. There we go. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium. A production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Peach State Pandemonium. Take it away. All right, good evening. Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium for Thursday, October 6, 2016. Uh, I know Jerry and Jay with me. Is Bobby on with us? I'm here. Yes, he, uh, Okay, Finally well, here. let me, this is this is Michael Norris, along with my co-host, Eagle Eye Bobby Simmons. Uh, that's his new nickname. Jerry Oates and Jay West, good evening, guys. J- uh, Jerry, what's going on down there with uh, with the weather? The weather, uh, uh, like I said before, we went on there, had a mandatory evacuation today uh, about, I don't know, 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock, something like that. And so... People started bailing out of here. Uh, a lot of people left prior to, so last night I I just decided I, I might better go. So I started calling around, nothing, you know, nowhere. I even called Columbus. Not a room, nowhere in Columbus, Georgia last night. Wow. About 10 o'clock. So, you know, the people from Florida, you know, they exited first, and then South Carolina exited. Sure. And so here I am sitting in Savannah, Georgia tonight. Mm. So it is what it is. Well, you got three places you can stay in Atlanta if you want to come up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I you know I I've waited this long and so I'm you know we we go stay so don't I think don't bring any alligators if you come up. No, <laughs> uh, they may pass me on the way, but uh, I think. By the time it gets here, you know, they said maybe a two. So, you know, I mean, this, this is nerve-wracking, I'm telling you. It, it, it's sure. not a funny thing. It, it, it's were, there, funny. were there people down there that did not want to leave? Uh, on Tabby? Yeah. Oh, there people still down there on Tabby. I talked to some of them a while ago. They're not, really? they're not leaving. Now, that I wouldn't stay for. I mean, I, uh, it's bad enough being here in Savannah. Because you know this town's got a lot of water, you know, everywhere. But you know, I'm, I'm. Uh, in fact, we're across the street from the Wilmington River, and it's it's probably 24 feet down. So I mean, it it uh, if it come out of that bank there, I mean, it'd be over for the whole town. But you know, I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm nervous. You know, I never. Sure. Never. Had to, you know, if it was me by myself, it'd be a horse with a different coat. You got a wife to worry about, and so I think we could be all right. It's just go, uh, it's gonna be hair raising tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. but anyhow, Bobby, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How'd it go? It went very well. I uh, again, the the fear was much worse than the actual procedure. 
they took me in this. They put me in the. They took me back into what they call a surgery center to get my IV started and so forth. And the guy tells me he says uh, he said because uh, he says because you, you know you're, you're a little over six feet. He said you need this special bed. And he said there's already somebody on it, so we're gonna have to wait till she gets it. So they set me in this rocking chair. And they hooked the IV up and gave me the little drops in my eyes, and I'm sitting there. And there's a TV screen right in front of me. And on the TV screen, I'm watching this cataract surgery. This guy's, you know, so it, it all of a sudden it goes black. That's the end of it. Well, they wheel this guy out of the operating room, and they wheel somebody else in, and all of a sudden up on the screen it comes on again. So I asked the nurse, I said, excuse me. I said, are these live? Do they actually? And he goes, oh, yeah, he records every operation. Oh, man. He said, in case there's ever any questions or anything. And I said, I'm sitting here watching this. I said, y'all ever thought about putting cartoons on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was amazing to watch. But yeah, I was. It took uh, I don't know, maybe ten minutes. It was over, and uh, really? I walked out of there able to see. I mean, it's still I still can't focus on certain objects, but they said that comes with time. So I've had no pain. Just. Uh, so I'm doing good. I'm glad I did it. Glad it's over. Well, I couldn't focus when I worked with your lock, but anyhow. I understand. Let me give you guys a little report here uh, that I, I come across this week because I was just nosy. And I, I talked to somebody that actually worked on that card in Columbus last week. I was going to ask you about that. They sold 500 tickets approximately. Uh, there were no freebies because Ticketmaster controlled the tickets and they couldn't. And I and I do know from experience it's it's a hassle to get to get comps, you know, from when Ticketmaster handles something. Uh, but about 500 tickets. So the, to quote, and the guy asked to remain anonymous. You know, he didn't want people to know he was putting the guy's business in the street. Uh, to quote the guy, he took a bath, which I knew he did, only selling 500 tickets. And uh, he said that. Uh, the uh, uh, the guy said he did not mind losing the money, which I think is just a wonderful statement. But he said he didn't mind losing because he was going to take the tapes that he made and sell the DVDs and that he was going to take his product and pitch it to TV stations. Market is that right? TV stations. I got news <laughs> for you. TV stations ain't paid for a wrestling show in since the 1950s. Other than Memphis. Now, Memphis, Memphis used to get paid for their show on Saturday, but it was the highest-rated show in Memphis TV. But yes. other than that, no, it don't happen. He's right. going to be I, in I, a rude awakening. The night of the show, my dearest friend called me. He called at 7 o'clock. Asked him uh, what were the ticket prices. They said, we've already closed the box office. He said, What? <laughs> Yeah, we've already closed the box office. He said, well, in other words, if I don't have a ticket, you can't get in? She said, that's right. He gets in his car and goes down, and he sent me the pictures. I'm not going to tell you what he said he would do, but he said, if I'm lying, he said, there's not 60 cars in the whole place. Well, I told him, I said, if there's 60, 15 of them would have been people to work there. Uh-huh. But the, I don't know who told you. He said there's no way they had more than a hundred people in there. I don't know who told you that, but, I, but that, my friend took a picture of the parking lot. I'm telling you, 
And he says, anytime they have a big event in Columbus, he says, half the police force is down there. They have one cop down there in the parking lot. Jeez. No, he well, he more than took a bath. Oh, can you imagine? I mean, that's that's a great tale to tell everybody. I, that doesn't bother me doing that. It must not have been his money. I heard that. <laughs> so anyhow, that's that unbelievable. That's interesting. I, you know, the, I just uh, <clears throat> I can't imagine. I don't know. I mean, there just ain't that much money in the world to, to, to you know. Well, obviously there wasn't that much money in the world. If I, if, I, if I won the lottery, if I won, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, I wouldn't invest 15 cents in wrestling. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. And that's a sad thing, but it's the truth. I mean, it's... If you know anything about it, you, uh, well, it's, it's like you know, and it's it's not just you know that's indicative of of the independence, but it's it's going all the way up to the big boys because evidently the the headliner for the next pay per view that Vince is doing is Brock Lesnar against Goldberg. Goldberg hadn't been in the ring in twenty five years. Well, they've been trying like hell to get him in the ring, but he has, you know, refused to do it, thinking well, he was going to be an MMA they've star. They've him enough money because that's supposedly going to be the main event at this next pay-per-view, and I just can't well, imagine. Well, how about that? He's, uh, he's uh, what, 57 uh, years old? Same but, age but, as me? But how many people now know who Goldberg is? Not at this point. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, so if he's... Uh, having to do that, I mean, it, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I I'm, I'm glad that's not my problem. Right. <laughs> this from this from the Wrestling News. They this is the latest issue. Uh, they held a Mid Atlantic tribute show, and they generally, you know, always do pretty fairly well with those. Even though I think the fan base is dropping off uh, tremendously from, from what it originally was. Uh, this was September 23rd at Dorton Arena, one of the old home bases. It says the uh, the show drew 1,500 fans, and Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat were there, and uh, there were some matches. Did you ever work at the uh, Dorton Arena in Raleigh, uh, Jerry? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Sure did. Yeah, that was one of their main... Main stops. One of their A towns was Raleigh. Yeah. So That's these right. tribute things and the whatnot still go on, but I think uh, probably the Mid Atlantic is probably an exception to the rule on where those kind of shows still can draw. You know. Well, is Flair still is Flair still connected with New York? He don't let you do any of that kind of stuff. He went back. That was that was part of his deal that he was allowed to do stuff like that under certain circumstances. Okay. Well, he's it's no doubt he needs the money, you know. So. Well, as far as I know, Steamboat's still working for Vince too, isn't he an agent or wasn't he an agent at one time? I don't know if he still is or not. What I understand, yes. 
know how many of those guys are left, like Arn and uh, Jerry Briscoe. I don't think he's doing it anymore. I just don't know. I don't know. But you know, he's got all this young talent, and this, in, in, in order to headline a pay per view, he's got a guy who is a part timer in, in Brock Lesnar. Of course, he gets mainstream out of Lesnar because Lesnar still goes and does, I guess, things with the uh, UFC um, periodically. And then he's bringing back Goldberg, who hasn't been in a ring in 20 years. So that's... Uh, so I guess their next but, their next uh, headline, their next pay-per-view will be, uh, will be uh, Hogan and Ted DiBiase. <laughs> I don't know why not. I mean, I me either. He, he might could use you up there. <laughs> well, you know, they can digitize now old uh, Elvis uh, films and uh, put him up there with his band playing. So, you know, no telling what they can do with those guys now. Unbelievable. I guess every man got his price. I know, I go, I know Goldberg's not going to play for twelve hundred dollars. I know. No, they 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 had offered him tremendous sums of money for a long time. To uh, Vince had to work. But hmm. why? I mean, it's not like he was, you know. Yeah, he had his little run, and his run lasted what two, three years, maybe. Yeah. Where he was on top, and then that was was pretty much it. And I mean, the guy's smart. He walked away, and and when he walked away, he walked away. He had other things right. to do, but. Uh, and more power to him. Yeah, well, exactly. I, you so. know, that's that's part of the Vince mentality. He thinks he can offer somebody enough money, and he can get what he wants. And he, the mentality of that doesn't understand somebody saying no. You know, you keep at them until you offer them whatever it takes or find out whatever their weak spot is. True. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. Now, 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 Koloff and San Martino are still alive. They ought to book them <laughs> in a rematch. A stretcher match. Bring them in on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wheelchair match. <laughs> I mean, a, wa- a walker on a pole match or something. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, oh, it just man. goes to show you that people, you know, the <laughs> People still like the old stuff when I, you know, and I say old stuff. They liked it when when there was at least uh, some some hint of wrestling or telling a story rather than uh, than what you got now. And, and you know, that's I guess that's why he brings Goldberg back. Maybe people still believe him. I don't know. Well, if he get a heck of a payday, I don't blame him. I don't yeah, know if I'm going to do wrestling or not, but. Let me give you guys a, a, a little story about my trip to the doctor. Uh, when, when I went to this, this eye doctor, you check in on one side of the hallway, and they take you back and they do all your preliminary. By They start your the numbing process with eye drops. They take your blood pressure. They explain to you what you have to do when you get home and how you do it. And, you know, oh, They do all of this before they take you over there. So... They did all of this stuff. You know, the nurse comes out, calls me by name. I went back and did everything. So she she comes back. She takes me across the hall to the surgical area, and I'm sitting in the waiting room over there. And they keep it. Your your eyes by this time are dilated to the size of a dime, and they're numb. And 
and you know you you look sort of you know with one eye looks like a cyclops and the other eye you know just regular and uh the door opens and this real nice dressed gentleman standing there and he goes bobby simmons and i said i didn't know who he was I thought he might be a doctor i said yes he stuck his hand out he said and i cannot remember the gentleman's name and, and i and i know he's listed and i apologize he came in there and talked to me for 10 minutes about how much he enjoys our show, how wow. much he how how he never misses it. He uh he tell he told me he he grew up in Jonesboro. He used to go to the matches. Uh he said his dad would take him to, and he said that when he got old enough to drive, him and his buddies would drive down to the auditorium. Uh he said that he he just absolutely loved our business and he said loved the show. He was uh Maniac Mike Davis that uh, was a kid from Georgia from Atlanta got a had a good little run out in Texas and uh, but he he coached him when he was playing baseball when he was a kid so he had a little bit of a history and he had some stories but he listens every week he says he never misses and if he can't catch it Thursday he gets up Friday morning and does the playback here but he said he never misses a show. He said he hates it when we're off a week because he misses it so much <laughs> because it's stuff that he he loves and uh, I you know I cannot remember his name I apologize. I told him to call in. I said, call in with some of these stories. We love talking to people like you. So, anyway, he may call one night or he may call one day. And, sir, if you're listening, I apologize profusely, but I was a little out of it yesterday and <laughs> more so than normal. And uh, But I love talking to him. It was just, uh, uh, man, it just made my day when, he, when he'd come in there and he just out of the blue talked about how much he loved it. So, well, that's a good that's story. Good. They're all people uh, out there listening. Out there in, in the blog talk radio land. Uh, let me tell you something you don't want to do. <laughs> you don't want to close the car door on your leg. Uh, <laughs> no, I guess not. I thought the finger was uh, bad. But. Uh, Friday, I was planning on Friday, doing that later today. Why would I not want to do that? <laughs> well, the worst part of it, Bobby, is spending five hours in the emergency room, believe it or oh, not. Geez. Uh, but uh, at, any, at any rate, uh, last Friday night I came home from our annual training. Uh, we I was at the uh, Clay Inn rather than down in uh, Fort Stewart, so there was about 20 of us up here for our operations center, so fortunately I didn't have to make that trip. But at any rate, so I was able to come home at night. And about 6.30 I got out of my car, had my, you know, my ECUs, my field uniform on, uh, and I made a 100 and an 80-degree turn when I got out of the front seat, out of the driver's side, and I was shutting the driver door as I went to open the back door to get my stuff out. And the 90-degree angle of the bottom of the car door there uh, cut into my left calf. And I didn't didn't think it was so bad because the ACUs are pretty stiff uh, pants, and it didn't cut through them. So... I got into the house and I pulled my uh, field pants off, and you know we use these uh, little things to hold them up so that they you don't have to stuff them into your boots. And I think that stopped the blood flow a little bit. But when I took that stuff off and opened, it was gushing, and there was uh, there you know this was a hard way deal, and there was uh, uh, tissue. I thought to myself, maybe I can stop this and put some of that uh, glue on there, and and it'll be all right. It was about an eight-inch gash, 
and that wasn't going to work. And there was tissue hanging out. And at any rate, my wife has had some uh, what they call cert field medical training, and she bandaged it up and stopped the bleeding. And we tried a couple of places before we went to the uh, down in Stockbridge to the ER down there. It was an hour and a half before I got back to triage. And once the guy back there saw that I was still bleeding, which nobody up front cared to, uh, you know, notice, uh, he sent me immediately to the back rather than sending me back out front. And it was still another three and a half hours and uh, some pretty good pain pills and uh, the, the lidocaine that they put in there to, you know, before they put the stitches in. Twenty-two stitches later, uh, I was out of I, yeah, I was out of there. That was nothing to fool around with, and uh, it's it's so it's been almost a week now, and it, it didn't. It's as long as I don't press up against it, it's not painful. But it looks like Frankenstein. So at any rate, uh, that's that's my story about what you don't want to do. And I was told cold sober. I was a little tired, but uh, been fighting that traffic. But you don't want to slam the door on your leg. That's, uh, well, let me let me ask you this: Since you were in uniform, do you qualify for a Purple Heart or any other kind of award? <laughs> no, that's got that's got to be a war injury in order for you to do that. And well, uh, we weren't at war, you know, so we were at then annual you, training. Your wife and you were in an argument. That, that was close enough to war. Well, there was some discussion as to whether maybe that, that's the way it happened or not, but I assure you, it's not. I, I, you know, I would do anything not to spend any time in the ER. Uh, going back and being worked that. on, it's not bad. It's just sitting there forever, you know. So well, at least did, did you they, didn't get did they shoved, put, out, did, shoved out on a loading dock. I was going to say they put you on a loading dock. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my sad story. Well, I've, oh. I've had, uh, I went Monday, and, and I'm trying not to depress Terry too much with all this medical stuff because we're going to devote the rest of the show to him, but... Uh, uh, I went Monday and had a nerve conduction test done, and uh, so they uh, they hooked me up to a, a car battery and uh, turned the crank and everything, and tried to get me to uh, uh, confess to shooting Kennedy. Um, and because of me being on blood thinners, they couldn't do the stick all the needles into me that they wanted to. So. Uh, uh, they didn't do a complete test, but they did enough to figure out that uh, uh, I have nerve damage in my legs. I'm thinking, well, you know, I didn't need to come to you to know that. I already That's knew right. that. I've... Yes. And then they decided I might have a pinched nerve in my back that may or may not be affecting this. So now they want me to go back for an MRI and then possibly have surgery and and it may or may not fix it. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I've had uh-huh. enough. I have had enough. It's either going to come back on its own or it's not going to come back. But I am not going through all that again and paying out more money for something that I already know, you know. Well, I know if so, you've got nerve damage in your back, it will. It can. It can affect your feet. You know, it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, but at this point, three years down the road, what can they possibly do to relieve it? Uh, medication is the only thing I would think of that, you know, could it would just help with the pain, you know. Yeah, I'm just thinking that they, they just want to operate because they see an easy mark. Sure. Now, there's you know, there's so. there's several nerve medications that you can take. Uh, Call them Neurontin is one of the uh, cheapest ones, and it's actually one of the best ones. I take it. 
and it uh, actually helps your legs a great deal if you've if you've but never see, I don't taken have that. any pain at all. I'm not in any pain. I just don't have any control, especially over my left foot. It's totally, it's like a dead fish. Goes wherever it wants so, to. Yeah. So I mean, nothing I can take or or do is going to repair that. So I don't know. We'll see. I've got I've got other issues I have to worry with uh, before I deal with that. So, but anyway, uh, we're going. One to, more thing uh, on Bobby. Let me ask okay. Bobby one more thing. How long is it going to be before you don't need glasses at all to see out of that eye? Are you are you that ready at that point now? No, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wear glasses. Oh, you, uh, oh, you are okay. Yeah, it was not it was not it was not the the, the laser surgery for the for the refraction. This was simply. Um, getting rid of the uh, cataract where I uh, so so otherwise your vision is the same as it was. Yeah, it'll be the same. Yes. Also, I had a uh, my left eye has a stigmatism, which I didn't know what a stigmatism was, but the way they explained it to me, your eyeball is supposed to be round like a basketball, and when you have a stigmatism, it, it's more the shape of a football. And they told me that they made a special lens for that. Uh, it was nine hundred and fifty dollars, and my insurance would not pay for it. Or I could get the regular mm-hmm. lens, and the insurance would cover it. So I have the regular lens. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I'll have to wear glasses now. My prescription may change, but uh, you know, my vision is much better. It's not. It was. It was so bad. It was so cloudy that, honest to goodness, I could cover my left eye and read an eye chart down to that little bitty line at the bottom. But I could cover my right eye, and I could not see the big number or the big letter at the top. I just knew yep. it was a white chart. That's all I could tell. Yeah, it's so, getting real tough for me. It's getting real tough for me to drive at night. And uh, so it's. But yeah, the laser surgery would correct it where you didn't need glasses, and that's that's pretty darn well instantaneous when they get through with that if you qualify for that. Okay. So, that does not last. It doesn't. No, sir. I would not have it done. I know. Yeah, I've never. I've never even considered that. I just, but I just the cataract. I didn't have any choice. Well, I got about six, six. To, as I understand now from my doctor, the cataract has to be a certain size before the insurance company will agree to pay for the surgery. Right, so, right. So I got a, I got a little ways to go. He said probably six months, and it'll, you know, be to the point where he says he can sign off on it for the surgery. So there we go. Well, I promise you, it's it's more worrying about it is far worse than the actual procedure. Okay, thank you, Bobby. It's it was there was nothing. I mean, it's it's just a matter of putting eye drops in, and they take you back, and you lay there. Some people go to sleep. They give you that uh, the twilight where you know the I don't care medicine. Yeah. Some people, some people have uh, go to sleep. There was people that I seen come in and out of that operating room. They were sound asleep. They were snoring. And then I never went to sleep. I was awake during the whole procedure. And the only problem I had during the whole thing, I'm a little claustrophobic. And they lay this plastic sheet over your face. They hook mm. you up with oxygen. And they lay the plastic mm. over your face. So you're breathing through. the. You get plenty of air. And, and yep. I asked the doctor, I said, is it necessary to cover my nose and mouth up? And he said, yes. He said, we have to keep the field sterile. He said, but I will arc it up a little bit where you can see some daylight. And when he did that, I was okay. But right. uh, I, he, he promised me, he said, we've never lost a patient due to suffocation. <laughs> so, so, you know, it was, 
that's the only problem I had, and it was not really a problem. It was mental, but but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, you're in and out of there, and I mean, from the time I the time it was over till I was in the car coming home was probably 15 minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's quick. Okay, looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, but anyway, now we're going to uh, pick on our brother in arms here a little bit tonight. Not really pick on him. We're going to actually celebrate his career. Now, Jerry, I I looked, and I know somewhere along the line, because you and I have talked about this before, and I thought your first title was in the uh, Montgomery promotion. I that thought somewhere cool. along the line that you were the Tri-States heavyweight champion, and if, I, if I'm not mistaken, you beat Mike Boyette for it. And that was where? In Montgomery for Billy Golden. Right, and then we held the tag belts there. See, and I couldn't find any results for either one of you guys holding the tag belts for, for that territory. It's very spotty as far as what they've got there on the title history site that my friend uh, – uh, he's a, he's a Japanese guy that, that does a title history, and uh, his his uh, obviously is not very complete there. Who was booking that territory when you were in there? Bill was Buddy Wayne. Bill, was, no, Bill was Bill doing was. it himself. Yeah, that might have been somebody else. Maybe Buddy was helping him a little bit. But we, when we had those tag belts, we worked with the hippies quite a bit. Was uh, Ted your partner then, Jerry? Yes. And what was the time frame on that? 72. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, you guys were in there in the in the summer of 72. Yeah, you went in there ahead of him. I think you were there. No, like, he, he was uh, there first. He was oh, there was first. He? And I went, oh, okay. Yeah, I left, I left Mobile and went up there. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm then, looking at some of the old, old ringsiders, Jerry. And uh, the June 23rd, 1972 ringsider was the earliest one that I could find with uh, uh, you on the card in Atlanta. It was an 18-man over-the-top rope battle royal with an additional 2,500 to the winner. Uh, and uh, it, they had it broken up after the battle royal. And as the guys went out, they'd have a 15-minute match, you know, and then the final guys would, would go for the big money. But... Uh, that was. Uh, do you have any recollection of that? No. Uh, this was, as I said, June 23rd. Were you, were you working in Georgia then, or did they bring you just up from Florida or somewhere to do that match? Do no, that they night? wouldn't have done that. No, they wouldn't. So you were, so you were actually working, you were actually working in Georgia at the time. Right, and I left there and went to Mobile. Okay. Yeah, because you were in Mobile for six, eight weeks, I think, and then then went from there to Montgomery. Right. <clears throat> so I didn't realize that that you guys. I guess you when when Mickey Doyle was on the, the the show with us, you guys talked about you you working with him and Boyette in uh, right in Montgomery a lot. We had some good matches with him too. Real good. It was weird them leaving Mobile as the biggest babyface tag team down there, and then going to Montgomery's heels. Um, and then for Montgomery, they went to uh, they went to Kansas City as heels. 
And then I think that's where they they split up, and then Boyette came back to Mobile, and then Mickey came back into Mobile, and they reteamed for uh, another five, six months, and then that was it. And then Mickey left and never came back. Yeah. He was a good Mickey worker. Was a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun. Okay, the next thing I have for you is 74, late uh, November 74, you're in Kansas City, and they have teamed. Well, for, let's go back to Montgomery. How were you, how was it approached to you, who came to you, and did, I guess, Golden came to you and said, look, do you, I'm going to put the title on you? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, that that was such a, that was a, you know, I enjoyed it, but there was no money there, none. And I left there just as a split happened. I left Montgomery, and I come, I'm coming back to Georgia. And that's that's when the split happened. So my next title was I won the Columbus heavyweight title. You know, I looked there and I didn't see anything on the Columbus under that that thing either, because I, I figured you had won that, either yeah, won that or that. the making, and you weren't you weren't on either one of them. No, okay. not making. Well, getting back to, to Montgomery, did uh, where did where all, I know they worked Montgomery, they worked uh, Aniston, I, I'm Andalusia. assuming Gadsden, Andalusia, Gadsden, Andalusia. Uh, Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Uh, we worked uh, Salem once in a while, uh, but it was oh, Columbus, Mississippi. Yeah, I was going to say they went into Mississippi. That's why they were yeah. called tri-states. Yeah, we went into uh, Columbus, Mississippi. Jerry, was you living at home? Was you guys living in Columbus and commuting, or yes, yes, That's, I figured. Okay. And from Columbus, Georgia to Columbus, Mississippi, what no joke. That's, that's <laughs> listen. <laughs> my first day in the Mobile Territory, I was when I when I when I went down there, I told them, I said, I said, can you keep me on the Alabama and the Florida side because I'm living in Columbus, Georgia? Oh yeah, no problem. My first day in the territory, I was booked in McLean, Mississippi. <laughs> well, <laughs> <sighs> they lied to you, buddy. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> took you longer to the get there time? than it did uh, than the than the whole card lasted. Oh, geez, yeah, that was that was a joke. The the uh, so going going from Columbus to Montgomery's what? How far is that? That's no, I've made a trip. Miles. Yeah, it's not far. Not I've made that trip. So okay, it wasn't bad. And you but did, we went you're home every night. I was going to say you're even closer when you go to like Tuscaloosa and Aniston and Gaston. Yeah. Andalusia's down towards Dothan, so that was a little bit. Well, actually, it's not bad because from Columbus to Dothan is not all that bad. No, it's not bad at all. Do you use the back road? Do you use 162 coming out of Columbus going to Dothan? Yes. The one that cut down, there wasn't ever any cops. It was two lane road and you could run 100 mile an hour. Went down through Tuskegee. Yes. Yeah. 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 
back so then. That being that being your first title, how did that feel to you? I mean, I know you, you know, were you still uh, enough of uh, of a uh, wild wild eyed young man that 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 was impressive to you? Uh, looking back, uh, you know, I I don't know if it was or not. You know, that territory was so weird. It was, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't run the way it should have been, you know, in my opinion. But, but you you know, you, you we got to work with a lot of different guys. Buddy Wayne, I love working with Buddy. And, and uh, there was, you know, a lot of different guys there and some smaller guys. And, and uh, it, it, you know, I enjoyed it for the short time. It was just, you know, no money. I mean, none. How were the, you know, how were the houses there, Jerry? Uh, we had some fairly good houses. Uh, we drew some good houses in Montgomery. Uh, we, uh, Anderson, we used to draw some good houses. You know, I mean, the you know, wasn't real big buildings, but you know, you know, I had come out of Georgia, and that was you know. You know, I I went from there to, I enjoyed my stay in uh, Mobile, but going from, you know, after being in Georgia, it was kind of a shock, you know. Mm -hmm. But I was still young in the business, so, you know, that was just part of it, you know, learning and going to different places. I mean, you were were working, that was better than not working, right? Yeah, it was, it was. You know, and, and he used us good for, you know, he, I have no complaints about that. He used us real good. Got to got to do, you know, some interviews and got so, got to do, you know, we had a TV there, you know, I got to do interviews. And so it was, it was a learning process, you know. Yeah, when you're first getting started, man, it's so exciting to be in the business. You don't realize it's a job for about three months. <laughs> I, I know. You just get back your bag, man. It's time to go, and you get excited. And then after about three months, you wake up one morning and you go, "Yeah, you know, this is a job." I, <laughs> I saw one result for for Aniston, um, and it had to have been one of yours and Ted's first matches in there as a team. But it, you guys were part of an eight man team, and I don't remember who your partners, other than Ted, were, and I don't remember who all was on the other side except Mario Galento. I'd have never, I'd have never imagined you working with Mario Galento. I didn't remember that till you just said it. <laughs> uh, just, just as, as an aside, do you do you remember doing your first live interview, and were you were no. you nervous before you did it? Yeah, I was nervous, but I, I, I really don't remember it. But I, I, I would have been very nervous, you know. I, it was probably, um, it had to have been in Montgomery. That's where it would have been. Yeah, if they were using you on top, and I'm sure it was. Were the, did they tape TV there in Montgomery? Do you remember? I think it was Montgomery, yeah. You're right. There was a lot of guys that passed through up that territory. Tony Russo was up there a lot. Um, Tony was there when we were there, I think. Uh, Perez. Ramon. 
Yeah, Ramon was there. What a worker. I mean, I don't know if y'all ever saw that kid work. My God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he I saw a lot of him in Mobile. Worker. Very small, but uh, he worked. My God. Yeah, can you imagine? He and he and uh, Roberto Soto were a tag team in, in the Mobile Territory for uh, almost three years. Can you imagine what a good team that was? Best drop yeah, kicks. Bill Bowman, to, Bill Bowman and Joe Turner worked a lot with them when they were the interns. Um, I'm, 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 Roberto Soto never got his due. I mean, that, that's, that's true. he was one fantastic worker. I worked with him one time in Columbus. He, that was, he, he, he was a fantastic worker. Smooth as silk. Great guy, too. Yeah, he's something guy. else. I enjoyed being around him. Yeah, Roberto talked about that working him. with Jerry in Columbus several times. I never could figure out why he called him Jerry Cholock, though. I, that part of it. <laughs> well, if you ever work with him, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> he was so loose, it was unbelievable. Uh, all right. Uh, moving into Kansas City, you went in there, uh, won your first title in November of 74, November 7th of 74. You and Mike George won the uh, Heart of America version of the World Tag Team Championship That's from the, the interns. Now, I'm assuming that was Jim Starr and Tom Andrews, right? That's exactly who it was. And then turned around and lost the titles to them. And sometime in January '75, it didn't have an exact date, and then won them back from them on January 10th of '75, and then held them for a couple months. Uh, and then on March 27th, lost the titles to Yasufuchi and Oki Shikina. I never, I didn't realize Oki worked in Kansas City. Yeah. Now Ted and I got them. I don't know when. I've got that too. You guys. You guys beat uh, Fuji and Shakina in April of '75, and in the meantime, in on uh, January or February 7th of '75, you defeated Terry Martin to win the Central States Heavyweight Championship. That's correct. And then you held that title for nearly three months, or almost four months, and then lost it to uh, Ed Wiskoski. We had some uh, real good matches. Ed was he was a very good worker. He was fairly new in the business at that point, wasn't he? When did he break yeah. in? Early, early 70s sometime? I think he did, yeah. I think he had been to Florida. I think he went to Florida early on. I believe he did. And then... Uh, well, I know in 74 he was in Mobile. Um he was in 74 or in the Mobile for probably five, six months in 74 because they, they put him and Duke Miller together. <clears throat> and then I think he was uh, before, before Mobile. Now, after he left Florida, I think he spent some time for Croc, working for Crockett before he went back uh, into the Midwest. Yeah, he, he, he when he got back out there, he I mean, he, he, he could work. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He, he, he was very good. He was from St. Joe. Right. 
especially be as big as he was because he was yeah he was what six four six five something like that two seventy yeah, yeah 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 he was a big kid good worker love working with him and then uh, like I said you and Ted won uh, won the titles from Fuji and Shakina lost them back to Fuji and Shakina and then won them back again in uh, May on May twenty first seventy five you defeated you and Ted defeated. Fuji and Shakina, and then the following month, Ted is gone, and you're teaming with Danny Littlebear and with the titles. But I can't find where who you beat or where you won them. It just said that you guys were billed as champions in in June of '75. You and Danny Littlebear. Ted went to Japan. Okay. Learned, learned a lot out there. Learned, uh, you know, I mean. Uh, Especially doing interviews, uh, we did interviews every week. You know, I mean, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it out there. Uh, it could have been a, a little better, you know. It was, you know, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, I got to go to St. Louis, and that was that was a thrill. Uh, got to go there. Uh, they were in St. Louis, I think, every two weeks. I wasn't there every week because, you know, they brought in guys from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, got to got to work there and got to, you know, do St. Louis TV at the uh, at the uh, uh, Chase Park Plaza. Worst, two of the worst rings in the United States. <laughs> Chase Park Plaza. <laughs> I just can't imagine that. Having a wrestling never, match right in the middle of a uh, of a dining room. No, it wasn't that way when we were there. Oh, they already it changed was, it. Yeah, they had changed that. It was more uh, like a, a studio, but it was in the Chase Park Plaza Hotel. So it was. I, I enjoyed Kansas City. I really did. Now there again, you know, you, you were there, and then. Uh, how did Geigel approach you or Pat O'Connor or whoever was booking the territory as far as putting the belt on you? Uh, they just said, you know, they just switch the titles. Uh, oh, I won another one while I was there. I was doing a deal with Terry Funk. So I had wrestled, I had wrestled Briscoe uh, in Des Moines and the first time I ever worked with Jack was in St. Joe. And so I, you know, you know that that he, you know, his run through there was over. So I, I started doing a deal with Terry. He was bringing Terry up on uh, Thursdays because Terry would be in uh, St. Louis on Friday. So I started doing this deal with Terry, and Terry had won the uh, international heavyweight title in Japan. So. Terry and I had this little thing going there in Kansas City, so he put up the title against me in Kansas City, the international. I think that's what it was called. I know it was. Yeah, international international title. title. So the winner, there was a title match, and the winner of that match was going to wrestle Jack Briscoe the next week. So I beat Terry. Now I got the international title. So we come back around the, the next week. Uh, I'm scheduled to wrestle Jack Briscoe. 
But we get to the building that night, and Tittery was there as a world champion. <laughs> he, he, he'd won it Wednesday night in uh, Miami. And I wrestled him the next night in uh, Kansas City. But I, I, I never defended that, that title there, and I left Kansas City with a belt. It's the only belt I ever kept, and I'll tell you that story if you want to hear it. Oh, yeah. That was on down the road after we had done our thing. and I'd gone other places, and my brother had gone other places, and I'd go back home and I'd my gym and blah, blah, blah. And we, I'd be still wrestling a lot for Ole and this place and that place and run to Dothan and just different places, you know. So my brother starts working for Ben and this one and that one, and he said, hey, man, he said, let me, uh, let me borrow that belt. I said, okay. <clears throat> so he borrowed the belt. He was living uh, in Macon then. Well, I asked him about that belt. He said, "It's a funny thing. Said, Somebody broke in our house and, and they stole that belt." Oh! I said, "Really?" <laughs> I never saw that belt again. You remember what it looked like, Terry? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like I'll tell you what it looked like. It, the belt that uh, the junior heavyweight belt. That, I mean, the white the, the one? World junior heavy, uh, heavy, the junior heavyweight champion. The white one. You talking about the white one? Yes, the white one. It, looked, it was shaped like that, but the... but the, uh, it, was it was purple, wasn't silver, it? It was silver on purple, exactly. Yep. Oh, you must have seen that belt since... Uh, yes, well, Cyclone, no, I, didn't, I don't have it, trust me. <laughs> um, no, Cyclone Negro brought it into uh, Mobile. Okay, that was it. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, they used that title a lot in uh, Oklahoma, and because uh, Mur- Dickie Murdoch had it for a while. I've got pictures of Dickie Murdoch with it. That's it. Um, and, and, now, that was, and that was a beautiful belt. It was, and Terry dropped it to me, and he left that night. He didn't say anything about it because he's going to get the big one, you know. Yeah. Nobody ever mentioned it, and I, you know, of course, I got it from Terry, and I didn't figure it was the officer's belt. I mean, I didn't see well, it. Well, it's, it's, it's some... Promotion actually owned that belt when he when 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 you won it from him. Well, other than uh, I don't know if they continued to use it in. Uh, it was used the only places I know uh, other than Jerry winning it in in, uh, in Kansas City was uh, like I said uh, they used it in um, Oklahoma, and it was used in Amarillo. Probably belonged to the Funks because I mean Murdoch and and uh, Cyclone Negro both uh, you know wrestled primarily for the Funks in the mid seventies, and then uh, those were the only two people I've ever seen you know know of having held that title. Well, I, that, other that, than Jerry, I guess I was the last one till it it got lifted somewhere. So. Mm. I missed the part. Who'd you loan it to? My brother. Okay. Okay. I, I missed. Uh, I missed who you said you loaned it to. I never saw it again. Mm. 
Some people never <laughs> learn. Evidently, you're talking to him. <laughs> So so I had the I had the central state that inter uh, intercontinental thing, and then we had uh, their version of the world tag team champions there. But that's that's what we did there. Now was that those light blue belts, the light blue straps exactly. with the with yeah. the, the big yeah. square thing? Yeah, that's exactly them. Those were not the most attractive belts in the world. No, they weren't. They weren't. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this: Reggie Parks didn't make them. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and then you and uh, you and Ted reteamed in Georgia, and we then on back to Georgia, right? Yeah, and then on March 19th of '76, the two of you had a round robin tournament and defeated Tony Charles and Les Thornton. And Gordman and Goliath to win right. the uh, titles, and then dropped them to Gordman and Goliath in June of '76. That's correct. So I know working with Thornton and Charles was fun, but uh, I mean, you've said on here before that it was it was awkward working with Gordman and Goliath. Very. You know, I'd seen them years in the magazine way before I ever. You know, actually met them in, uh, you know, when they was in Los Angeles, but they, right. they, they were they weren't the Georgia style. Very strange, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it was good. it was very very awkward. Even referee in their matches was awkward. It, it, was, it was you just couldn't get anything going. You know, I mean, it was you know after we'd worked with Thornton and Charles, and so that was that was. Uh, that was the deal with us here in Georgia, and then we went to Japan, right? In '77. Well, I've got we you there in October of '76, winning the All Asia Tag Title. Okay, that's right. You beat uh, Kojika and Okuma. That is correct. And then, uh, before the end of the month, they dropped the titles to Takachiho. Takachio. And and Takachio, did he later become Kendo Nagasaki or that I don't uh, know. Or uh what was the other one? Um that spit the mist, not Muda, but the one ahead of him. Oh, you're, talking, you're talking about Kabuki. Kabuki, yeah. That no, wasn't Takachio, was... was it? No. That was Sakuruda. I think so. Sakuruda is the one that became uh, Kabuki. But he, what a worker he was. But anyhow, that that was we had that run there, and then we we we, we come back to Georgia, and that's when Tom was gone and Oli was here. So we get back, and we don't have a job. So. I come. We were supposed to go. I, I told this story. We were supposed to go to Korea. Ted and I and the butcher. And he kept putting it off, putting it off, and he decided not to go. So it was butcher and myself and Johnny Gray from Australia. We went. We went to Korea. So they, you know, they wanted a tag team, and then they because they had they had the publicity on us as being the uh, all Asian tag team champions. So he backed out. And don't he didn't go. So. 
Fisher and Johnny Gray and I went to uh, Korea. And then we were there for a week, and we come back. And uh, my brother and his wife and Kathy met me at the airport, picked me up on uh, I got in late one night there in Columbus. As soon as I walked down the plane, that's where they, in Columbus, they had the, you know, terminal thing. As soon as I got off the plane, he said, we don't have a job. So he'd, he'd been, he'd been, he got back, he went to Hawaii instead of going to Korea, and then he went, you know, he got back before I did, and that's that's what I was hit with. And uh, that's when I had had my first knee surgery, and I'd been out nine weeks before we went to Japan, so come back, we don't have a job. And he said, uh, Ralph said, uh, and Bill Watts had been here uh, prior to us. That's when my mother-in-law was real sick, and Bill told me, he said, uh, i tell you how Bill, he treated me good. Now, you know, a lot of guys didn't like working for him, but I loved every day working for him. And while I was here, and I've been here a while, he said, uh, you know, you need to go. But he said, I understand the situation with your mother-in-law. He said, you stay as long as you need to stay. That was in 70, when was he here, Bobby? 74? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 74, yes. yeah. Okay, that, and then, then uh, so, anyhow, uh, that's when we went to Kansas City, and then, anyhow, uh, I get back from, you know, the run over there, and, and he says, Ralph said, Watch wants you to call him. I said, I'm not going to Kansas City. I said, I'll tell you that right now. I mean, to uh, Oklahoma, Louisiana. I said, I'm not going. So I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, uh, I'm going to get to stay around a little bit. Well, yeah, okay. So Ralph called me the next morning. He said, Bill, watch want you to call him. I'm not, I said, I'm telling you right now, I'm not calling him. He says, call him, man. He wants you to come out there. So I hesitated, and that afternoon I I called him. I said, hey, Bill, this is Jerry. Said, yeah, man, I've been expecting you to call. He said, you know, I'd really like for you to come out here. And I said, Bill, I, said, I don't know, man. I said, you know, I've heard about all those miles. He said, we've got a lot of miles out here. And uh, he said, uh, he said, I want you to come out here this Saturday. I said, this was like on, I got home like on a Tuesday. He said, I want you to come out here Saturday. He said, I'll fly you out here. And uh, he said, you do the TV for me. And uh, he said, I'll pick you up at the airport. Take it to the hotel. He said, "You come in. You do two tapes for me, and see how you like it." So I said, "Well, I said, let me think about it." He said, "Look," he said, "Don't think about it." He said, "I'm gonna send you a ticket, have your ticket paid for a round trip." And he said, "This is what I'm gonna do for you." He said, "If you come out here," he says, "I'll put that North American title on you," and he says, "I'll help you with your trans." So. I go. I, I told him. I said, "Okay." I said, I, "I'll I'll be out there." He said, "I'll, I'll fix it when you get in here Friday night." And uh, he said, "I'll pick you up at the airport." I said, "Okay." So I did, and uh, he picked me up, and yeah, uh, he said, "You know, I'm going to do two two takes for you on Saturday." So I walk in, and there's a lot of guys I didn't know. Uh, Murdoch was there. Carl Cox was there. Uh, whoever else, I can't remember. I mean, it was. It was you know, some good crews, and I, I didn't know any of those guys. They looked at me like, who was this guy, you know? They didn't know me. I didn't know them. So I did the two tapes, and uh, he's taking me, uh, after the TV, he's taking me back to the airport. He said, what do you think? I said, uh, I said I'll, I'll come out here for you. I said, I, I, I'll come out here. So 
you give me a starting date. I, uh, I worked the last show at the Omni on Thanksgiving night. And that, what year was that? That, that had to have been 76. Yeah, 76. And then I, Kathy and I left the Omni and we, we headed out. And I got out there and uh, my first, that, I, that was on a Thursday night. And I started that Saturday night in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So nobody, none of the boys knew. I guess I was gonna be there, so I, I had to. I went on my own, you know. And I got in the dressing room, and Watts was in the dressing room. Kim Patero walked in. He fired him right on the spot. I said, "Oh my God!" He fired Kim Patero. What am I got? Kim Patero missed Thanksgiving Joe. So he fired him wrong spot. So, but anyhow, I, I stayed out there a year, right at a year. I guess it was a year, close to a year. And uh, and I, 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 you know, they, you, you can tell those miles were they were brutal. I mean, they they were. But but you know, I never complained about those miles. I actually loved what I was doing out there. He, he I, I'm, Bill Watts did everything he said he was going to do for me. He did everything he said he was going to do. And then, Getting back uh, to you talking about the TV taping. Where was that, in Shreveport? We did it in Shreveport, right. At the Irish McNeil Boys Center? No, no, that was that was after I left there. We okay. did it at, uh, I don't remember TV the TV station there in uh, Shreveport. We did it every two weeks. So uh, he did, honest to goodness, he, he did everything he said he was going to do for me. And uh, he treated me first class. Of course, I did my job. I was never late. And, and Grizzly was out there, and Grizzly was his ears, eyes and ears, you know. And I rode with Grizzly some, and he'd ride with me some, and travel with uh, Dickie and Carl Cox and told us to come in out there. And I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, I really enjoyed it out there, and the mile didn't phase me at all. I, you know, I was young, and I was really learning, and I just enjoyed it so much out there, and then now that was that was still under that was before Watts split off from McGurk. So McGurk, that was still McGurk's. He was still the the promoter there, right? Even though Watts was pretty much running it. Watts ran it. I, I went in the first night I was in Tulsa. I got there early, and uh, so he said uh, Leroy wants to meet you. I said okay. You know I've heard of him, of course, and. Uh, I went in, and I, you know, I knew he was blind, and and uh, I introduced myself. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm Jerry Olson. I said, you know, I appreciate y'all bringing me in. Oh, we glad to have your son, and blah blah blah. He felt my face. He felt my face with his hands, and uh, I, that was okay. You know, I guess that was he could whatever. And and, and you know, I I I did. I, I I enjoyed every bit of it. I enjoyed every bit of it, and. Uh, that that trip that trip from Shreveport uh, to Tulsa was that was on a Monday. That was 350 miles up there and 350 miles back. That was starting the week. So he told me he said, uh, "Look, he said I'm gonna start paying your your, your trains." He said, "You fly up here," and uh, that's okay. So he did, and John Ringley was out there, and I love John Ringley. You know, he was the big shot there and. Charlotte at one time, you know, right? And uh, 
he was a nice man. He he was so nice, and he'd pick me up at the airport, and then usually I'd catch a ride back with like Abe or whoever was there. I'd make arrangements, you know. But Watts would fly me up there on Mondays, and uh, he he did. He he treated me great, and I have no complaints about him. I know a lot of people didn't like him because he he was hard nosed. Now, as long as you did your job, you had no problem. You had no problem with him if you did your job. Well, I shared our first title in that territory, being you and you and Carl Cox uh, winning the United States Tag Titles from again the, the they were called the Medics this time, but again that was Star and Andrews, right? And then and, dropped uh, them dropped them back to them after holding them for two months. So. My how long did you hold there. the North? How long did you hold the North American title, Jerry? Four months, maybe. I beat Dickie in Albuquerque. Boy. I was going to ask you was that was that a true title? Was that a true title match in Albuquerque? Because that that seemed like an out of the way place to. Yeah, it was. Well, it was done there. I don't know. That's the only time I ever went out there. Yeah, I show you winning it uh, in August of 77 from Murdoch in Albuquerque, and then you lost it back to Murdoch on November 6th of 77, so three months. Okay. And then the reason I left, I really shouldn't have left. I'm going to work with Harley in New Orleans. I worked with Harley several places up there, and I worked with him uh, – Work with him in Shreveport, and so I'm gonna work with him in New Orleans, and on TV in Shreveport. This will be uh, the following. No, it's gonna be two weeks. I'm gonna wrestle Harley in New Orleans, so I get the TV there in Shreveport. I, I think I'm pretty sure I still had that title, the North American Heavyweight Title. So uh, we got there to TV and. Harley's there, and who's he gonna work with? And I and I, I got along with Harley, you know, you know, I, I'd always gotten along with him, thought the world of him, and uh, so Watson Harley left the left the, left that big room he was dressing in, and so uh, referee come get me said uh, Bill wants to see you down there in that room. I said okay, I go in there, and it's him and Harley. Uh-oh, it's evidently me. So he said, uh, Bill said, uh, I, I'm going to put you and Harley together. And he said, uh, Harley wants to put you over right here on TV. And he's wow. the world champion. Whoa. So I said, okay. And then Harley come up with a finish where he dove off the top rope and cross body blocked me, and I rolled over on him and beat him. So I'm uh, – you know, I did the interviews on a Wednesday and said, man, I, you know, I was so excited. I beat the world heavyweight champion right here in Shreveport on TV. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming to New Orleans. I'm going to wrestle Harley for the world title, blah, blah, blah. I said, my brother's coming in. My parents are coming in. They know I can beat him and blah, blah, blah. We sold that, that auditorium out downtown. And, and we had, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And so he, I mean, I thought that was, of course, it was business too, you know. But sure. the class act thing he did, you know, and and I'll, I'll never forget him for that. 
He didn't have to do that. I mean, it could have been a DQ or something, but that's what he – and Bill said he said he wants to do it. That's, that's his decision, not mine. So we did, and, and, and you know, that was that, – I'll always remember that. So that that next morning, Harley said that uh, we were staying at the same hotel. He said, come down to my room a minute. Oh, no, 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 no. The night, the night we're – the night we go wrestling in New Orleans, we're getting instructions. You know how he used to hit his shoulder while he was talking, you know, referee was talking to you, Bobby? Yeah. yeah. He said, I hate daddy. He said, they want you in Portland. I said, what? He said, he, Don Owens wants you in Portland. I said, well, I don't know. He said, come to my room tomorrow. He said, we'll call him. I'm going. I think what happened Harley could come through there, and, and maybe Don Owens said, have you seen any talent down there, you know, down in the south or whatever? I, it had to have been, because Don Owens didn't know me from Joe Blow Ice Man. <laughs> so uh, he said, come to my room, we'll call him. So we did, and uh, so he gave me a starting date. And so, you know, I really hated to leave Louisiana. I, mean, I was doing good. I was making money. I was treated first class and, I said, well, I've been here a year, and and I went to Bill, and I, I wanted him to switch me. He said, man, you're crazy. He said, that ain't going to happen. You know, I've been there a year. I thought it was time to do something, you know, and uh, he wouldn't do it. I mean, that, that wasn't a reason, of course, but I said, well, you know. So I called Don Owens, and he gave me a starting date, and that was that. I went out there. And I really loved it. I really loved it out there. And Don Owens, great, probably one of him and Paul Bosch was the best payoff me I ever worked for. Without a doubt. What was that territory like out there, Jerry? It was uh it was it was so much fun, you know, it was a great bunch of guys and uh we uh We'd wrestle. We did TV in Portland, and we wrestled there in Portland. And uh, we, you know, we'd go up to Yakima, Washington. Uh, we went to uh, Seattle. We went to Spokane, Washington. Uh, we went to Medford, Oregon, Salem, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. We we worked we worked seven days a week out there. But the, wow. some of, some of the trips. A couple of went to Medford, Oregon. That was that was went to Roseburg, Oregon. Uh, Medford was a, a long trip, and and uh, Spokane was a long trip. But Jesse and I, I was only there twice, and Jesse and I flew it up there and back one time, and then then I I rode with Ricky Hunter up there. But it was but but I enjoyed it. I, I mean, it was good. I saved money. It was a good bunch of guys. Had great workers. Snooker was there, Waskowski was there, Buddy Rose was there, Jesse was there, it was it was Mike George came in. I mean it was it was it was it was a great territory. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I show you and Jesse holding the uh Northwest tag titles. You beat Rose and Waskowski for them on March twenty first of seventy eight and then lost them to uh it's an odd combination. <clears throat> Bull Ramos and the Iron Sheik, Brazil. Yeah, that was, 
What was Ramos was like? That's somebody who really everybody that I know that ever worked with him loved the guy, and he just doesn't seem to get his due anymore. But you, you know, for a guy his size, Bull could go. He really could. He he he. I picked that big joker up and slammed him, man. <laughs> he, he was maybe that's what happened to my shoulder, turning bull. <laughs> but he he he. You, you're right, Mike. You never hear people mention him. He was a good worker for a guy his size. Worked hard. Didn't and worked all over the place. I mean, he had a run in Madison Square Garden with Sam Martino in the late '60s. Uh, worked in the uh, the Mobile Territory for a brief run in the '60s, and then he was in Charlotte. He was in California. He was big in L.A. Uh, big in Oklahoma. Big uh, in the Pacific Northwest, and then uh, was was a major star in Texas for years. By the time you were working with him, he wasn't no spring chicken. He'd probably been no. in the business twenty years by that point. But he, but he he could go, man. I'm I'm telling you. And you know that's the only time I ever ran into him, and I never saw him again. I never saw him again. And My so, favorite Bull Ramos story was in Texas, and he's working a deal with Terry Funk. And they gimmicked, oh uh, they gimmicked a two-by-four. They broke the two-by-four, and then they glued it back together with Elmer's glue, wood glue. Well, crap, Elmer's wood glue make that wood stronger than the wood <laughs> is by itself. <laughs> the deal was he's going out on the TV interview. Uh, uh, Terry was sitting at the desk being interviewed. Ramos is going to come up behind him and hit him with a two-by-four. And break the two before over his head. But as I say, they had Elmer's glued it. They didn't need one of them know what Elmer's glue would do. He went out there and hit Terry with that thing, said it knocked him out. <laughs> the board didn't break, it knocked Terry out. I can see that. Yeah. That may be, that may be what's wrong with Terry today. <laughs> well, so, see, Vaziri was only maybe five, six years into his career at that point. And was still in good shape and everything. Yeah, he was. He he was he was something to work with. Now I'm telling you, he was something to work with. He 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 didn't fit in with everybody else out there. But but, but, but while I was there, I, I I beat somebody I don't know who for the Pacific Northwest Heavyweight Title. Wiskowski. Okay. May May thirteenth of seventy eight. I, I I didn't remember who I beat for it. But you know, we 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 had uh, we'd worked in Kansas City together so much. I mean, we 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 had some good matches out there, and uh, we worked all over out there. And I, I, you know, he was just night off. So I was out there, I think six months, and and my brother was in uh, Charlotte. And, you know, we talk every week. And so uh, he said, "Would you be interested in coming in here with George?" Go for it. Yeah, I said. I said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll come back that way. So he uh, he called me one night and he said, George, give me a starting date in two weeks. In two weeks, man, I'm in Oregon. You know, so anyhow, I I said, tell tell him I'll be there. So I gave them my notice. It might have been three weeks. It, it was short. So 
and it must have been three weeks. So I, I gave Don Owens my notice. And so I'm a, I, Kathy and I flew out there, and I bought a car when I got there. I bought me a brand-new Nissan. So I gave him my notice, and what I was going to do, I was going to work my way back across the country. We was going to drive it. So I called Leo in uh, L.A., and uh, I wanted to wrestle in the Olympic Auditorium. So he, he booked me, and uh, he booked me on a Friday night. So uh, my last night in Oregon was uh, Method, Oregon. So we drove, you know, after we got up next morning and drove straight straight to Los Angeles. And uh, had, to, you know, Dr. Schwartz, y'all remember seeing him in the magazines? Yeah, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bernard Schwartz. Yeah. Yeah, I had to go get a physical there, had to drive down to Watts. Here I am. I've never been to L.A. in my life other than the airport. I found his office, and it looked like a veterinarian clinic. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it did. I'm telling you. I'm not kidding you. It may, it may have been. It could have been. So I, I went there, and, you know, you checked my blood pressure and all that stuff. There wasn't really nothing to it. And then uh, I went there Friday morning, and then I'm going to, work at the Olympic Auditorium that night, and I don't know who I'm working with. Well, he's got me on the main event with Piper. And so he introduced me to Mike LaBelle that afternoon. I got there early because, you know, I didn't know the traffic or anything out there. I was staying in uh, Santa Monica. So I got there, and Leo got me in there, and he said, hey, man, he said, uh, he tried to get me to stay. Leo, I said, I got to start in date Charlotte. I said, he said, you know, once he sees you work, he's going to want you to stay. And I said, well, I, you know, I appreciate it. But I said, you know, I'm, I've already got that starting date in Charlotte. He said, well, I understand. And Leo was good to me, you know, early on. And he's, he's the one that brought me to Dallas. And so I, uh, I, I worked, I worked there on Friday night and we, we got up Saturday morning. And we didn't park that car again until I got to Shreveport. We left Saturday morning at 9.30, and we pulled into Shreveport Monday morning at 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then I wrestled in Shreveport Tuesday night, and then I wrestled in Jackson, Mississippi on Wednesday night, and then I wrestled in New Orleans on Thursday night, and then I went to Columbus. And then I was there a few days and uh, took off and went to uh, first night. I was in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and then then we stayed up there till that was my last full time on the road. So I got out of the business fairly young, you know, a full time. Did uh, so Did, did you already have you a place set up to stay before you got to Charlotte? No, I stayed with Ted a couple of nights. And then, uh, then we got our own place up there. And man, that man, I could not believe that place. They ran three towns a night, and that place was absolutely you. We didn't go anywhere that it wasn't sold out. <laughs> and they had that that Greensboro, uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, go to Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, Charlotte, no matter. I mean, they, it was at spot shows. I mean, we, we wrestled outside. They did a lot of outside stuff up there in Charlotte. 
we we go to football fields, wrestle outside, and and both sides were slam packed. I mean, it was the whole territory was just unbelievable. First night in Richmond, I made six hundred bucks. I just tell you, so how long has this been going on? <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. And then it was, you know, it was like every every place, you know, not not every place, but most places, it's clicked. So we had our spot. We were semifinal every night. That was okay, you know. Flair was there. Uh, Valentine was there. Steamboat was there. Uh, Murdoch was there. Wahoo was there. Mulligan was there. Uh, Jeff Ports and uh, Gordon Jeff Nelson. Ports. Gordy Nelson, we worked with them a lot. We worked with Gene and Renee Goulet a lot. I mean, we we were the time getters because you know George knew we could do it. Whatever, they, whatever you wanted. You want thirty they minutes? They had quite a roster. Uh, how oh, long did you stay? How long did you stay there, Jerry? Six months. And at that point, you decided uh, you were going to get off the road. Yeah. I, I look back. You know, there's, there's, you know, there, there was a song. Everybody knows it's called My Way, but not that I did everything my way. But there was a part of that song that said, uh, "Regrets." I had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Right. And I have some regrets, and, and they're all on me. You know, I always did better. I always did better. When I was by myself, not sounding selfish or, or, you know, I. Once you, you know, once you become known as, and we really weren't known as just a tag team like the Assassins or the Anderson Brothers, or because I went so many other places by myself. But I always did better by myself, and I look back, you know, and. I know a lot of guys probably got messed up over the years with partners and, you know, one partner, I'm, you know, whatever. And, you know, I always like depending on me because I knew I was going to be there. You know, I was going to sure. do my job. Not that he didn't. I'm not saying that. But I I look back and that, that was one of my regrets. Well, you two had one last run in Kansas City. With the Central, by that time they had changed their tag title to the Central States Tag Title uh, in 1980. You guys won it uh, in April 4th, 5th of 1980. You beat uh, the Grapplers, which was Lynn Denton and Tony Anthony. But what happened Felt there was he went back to Kansas City. He was full-time out there. So he called me and said, uh, Geiger wants to know if you'll come out here, you know, on a weekly basis. I said, I had my gym going then. I said, yeah, I'll do that. So, you know, I'd fly out there for, uh, I'd fly out there like on Wednesday. And I would, uh, I would uh, go to Des Moines. I'd fly into Des Moines. I'd do Des Moines. I would do Kansas City. Sometimes I'd go to St. Joe, or sometimes I'd be in St. Louis, and then uh, I would I would come home on uh, Sunday night. You know, I catch that red eye special. I'd be back home seven o'clock Monday morning, and I did that for a while. So that, that's how that happened. I forgot about that. Yeah, we beat them for that. 
and uh, we had some good matches with them, I'm telling you. And I think Lynn was really doing the booking there then. Could have been. Could have been. Now, I'm had, pretty sure he was. That was he wasn't out in Portland when you were there, was he? Now, that's where he settled. Was he was not Portland? there, no. Okay. No. But going back to Portland, did you ever, because uh, I know sometimes Don Owens guys would go down and work for Shires in uh, San Francisco. Did you ever get a chance to do that? No, I did not. No, I'm sorry I didn't. I always wanted to wrestle in the Cow Palace. But I, I, I didn't. I think that was kind of toward the end of uh Right, Shire, yeah, Shire was, yeah. yeah, he was he was pretty much out of it and yeah, by was, the end well, of 78. Well, I heard he was a good payoff man, too. But those guys didn't work like three days a week out there. I know it. I mean, they I did They did San Francisco, there. Oakland, and uh, I want to say San Jose, and that was it. Maybe Sacramento, yeah, and that was that was it. Yeah, they didn't do much, but they said that man paid. But it was I, like I, Hawaii. I, I, I mean, guys would want to, you know, mo- of course, most of Hawaii, they had their local guys there. You know, mm-hmm. Sam Steamboat, you know, kind of settled in back there, and and they had, uh, you know, Ed Francis's kids. But most of the guys that were working there were either on their way to or from Japan, and they only worked one week. I mean, one day a week there in Japan and yep. Hawaii. Uh, I know. I know. One of the Kozaks loved it there. He liked surfing. I think, it was I think that was Jerry. Jerry and Nick was one of them. Might have been yeah, Nick because I think by that time Jerry was promoting was was promoting. Uh, what town did he have in the Amarillo somewhere, territory? Yeah, somewhere out there. But uh, yeah, did I, you, I did not. Did you say that you never worked in the AWA, Jerry? Is that right? Never did. Did you? I, did I you ever? Looked. I was going to say, did you ever yeah. get uh, you know called or, or uh, discussed with anybody about going there? I never did. We should have went there. We should have went there when we left Kansas City the first time instead of coming back here. But we did. I, I, you know, I didn't. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't know anybody up there. You know, I mean, I knew some of the guys, but I didn't know them. You know, but that would have been a good territory. But we, I never made that made that one either. That was another one. That was, I think, they only worked three days a week. Yeah, they go. And then only only seven or eight months a year because they would shut down in the winter time because the trips were so bad. Yeah. Yeah, they'd go to Denver and they'd go to uh, where they go in Canada. They went up Winnipeg. uh, Yeah, Winnipeg. Yeah, I I enjoyed that, but I, I didn't. I didn't make that run either. So I was really on the road. I was really on the road full time, uh, like nine years. I think it was nine years, and and uh, eight years, almost nine. But but God, after I got off the road full time, I mean, I Ted and I went back to, to we we went to uh, we went to Florida for a tournament. We wrestled the Briscoes down there. We went we went back out. I went well. He went with me. Uh, Gary Hart wanted us to come to. Uh, Dallas. There was a tournament out there. We flew out there to that, and then I mean, then I worked for Ole, and I mean, I was when Ole was running, I was working five nights a week. Well, I just so got to show with your with your reputation at that point, 
you know, uh, you didn't have to look for work sometime. It just came to you, you know, yeah, and you I, had to I, decide I, what. You had to decide really whether bad. to turn it down or not. Yeah. Yeah, I was really bad. I mean, I, I took anything pretty much to come by that I wanted to go do. I mean, of course, I enjoyed working here, around here because I had my gym and I was I was doing good and I was still going to Japan and uh, it, it 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 worked out good. Uh, it might have been. I had uh, I called Jesse one time when he was in New York. And I said, "Hey man, I said I'd like to come to New York." That's when they were really cooking up there. He said, "Let me let me talk to him." So. Out of the blue, Pat Patterson called me on a Friday. He said, hey, this is Pat. I, I had never met Pat. Never met. Ne- yes, I did. I met him in Macon one night when he worked with uh, Jerry Briscoe. He said, this is Pat Patterson. Hey, Pat, how you doing? He said, I understand you want to come up here. I said, yeah, I really do. But I had a bodybuilding show the next night, and I'd worked like four months on that. And I mean, he said, I need you in Detroit tonight. I said, Pat, I said, man, I'd love to come up there. He said, I'll send you a ticket. Don't worry about it. I said, I, said, I can't make it. I said, I have a bodybuilding show that I've been working on. I have one one a year. And I said, it's tomorrow night. And I said, I, I can't do it. And that was it. I never called him back, and he never called me. So, And that's all right. Now, in that same, yeah. same time frame that you're talking about going and, and doing things, you would go, you mentioned Detroit. You'd go up there and work for Farhead, too. I forgot about you? that. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I, I was going up. I don't blame you for getting about that because you probably didn't get paid. <laughs> uh, I always got paid. Yeah, he paid the plane ticket and also. So uh, somehow, no, I ran into Dickie somewhere. Murdoch, he said, you want to you come up to Detroit? I said, yeah, I said, I've never been up there. I said, I'm going to see what that's like. So so he got, he, I don't know how that worked out, but anyhow, I, I started going up there. You know, I was going up there every uh Every Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon, I would, I'd do Atlanta TV, and my brother or whoever would drop me off at the airport, and I'd go to go to uh, Detroit and go up there. And when I first got up there, friend, I thought I'd seen it all. <laughs> that was you got no idea. You got <laughs> no idea. Cry, uh, what Crybaby Cannon was there, Ernie Ladd, I worked with Ernie a, a lot up there. Uh, Don Kent. I don't know if y'all ever. Did y'all ever know Don? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that was after his he, run with the Kangaroos. He what a nice guy, man. What a worker. He was there. I think he was kind of doing the booking. Uh, who else was up there? The guys I've never seen before. The dressing room they had more people in the dressing room than the stands. I mean, it was it was. Then I well, I know over. I know there was. Um, I've got pictures of you teaming with. Uh, Gene Dubois or Dave McKigney is his real name, the Bear Man, and I think you guys were working with Baba and Saruta. Could have been, yeah, because Baba would come over sometimes, and then, then, then the Bear Man, he ran uh, Windsor, no, he ran London, Ontario, right, and so when I was going up there every week, you know, Scarpa come in up there, Joe Scarpa, you talk about a funny joke, so. Haystacks was up there, so it was freezing one night up there. So we're staying at the Ponce Train Hotel, some big swanky hotel. They give the boys a deal. So me and Scarpa, we were waiting to get in the, get in the uh, uh, Haystacks uh, travel hall, and he was out there talking to somebody. So 
Scarborough said, hey, round man, come on, we're about to freeze the bear. So anyhow, uh, the bear man asked me that, that I want to come up and work for him. I said, sure. So I, I, every time I went, I'd go up there with haystacks. And that that, that was a treat. So <laughs> so then then uh, how did this work out? Oh, yeah. We, I'm I'm back at home, and so I get a call from Kansas City. They want me. Ted and I were working. That's when he teamed up with Rip, Rip Rogers, and I was working a lot there. You know, we were working a lot here in Georgia. So they said they having a, a big tournament out there in Kansas City, and they uh, we want you and your brother to come out here. I said okay. So that Saturday night, this tournament was a. Uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. So I go to Detroit that night on Saturday, did Atlanta TV, go to Detroit, did did that fiasco. Then I get up the next morning at 4.30, catch a plane from uh, Detroit to Chicago to Chicago to Kansas City. It was snow everywhere. I said, man, this so we wrestled in a building downtown. I, we, we never, we wrestled, it was in Kansas City. I mean, it was, yeah, Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas. So this building, it was a big building downtown. Not the Kemper, but it was a big, like, city auditorium. It was huge. So we get there. We don't know who's there. It's, it's a tag team tournament. We get there. The Bruiser's there. The Funks are there. Uh, Jody Hamilton and, and uh, the Angel was there. Uh Murdoch and Rhodes was there. We were there. Uh, I, I say Brody and Lad was there. I mean, everybody, wow. everybody was there. So we we wrestled. We ran that wrestling three times that day. So we we wrestled. I don't know who we wrestled. And and the final four guys went up. Me it was uh, my brother and I and uh, Brody and uh, Ernie Lad. That's oh how we get instructions. And so we get instructions. I mean, we were over out there, you know, so because we could put them over because that's the way it was. So I don't think I ever went back. Maybe I did. I don't know. So anyhow, we put them over, and while we get instructions, Brody looks at my brother and says, I don't work with midgets. Said it like that. I'm, I said, oh, God. And I'd known Frank forever. You know, I knew him when he was a mark in San Antonio. So... It, it went all right. You know, it went good. It went good. My brother said, what's this going to be like? I said, don't worry about it. I said, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So that was kind of kind of what I did, you know. And, and uh, I, 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 I sometimes were, wonder if I would have stayed, stayed out there longer, what would it have been like. You had a great career, Jerry. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you think about it. There's journeyman guys that worked 20, 25 years, you know, that probably had a lot of talent. And we've talked about the fact that being in the right place at the right time and everything else, but the the fact that you mentioned being on time and you always did what you were supposed to do and you didn't, you know, you didn't leave somebody hanging, I think that that was always good for your reputation. But you were, you know, obviously uh, you were an excellent worker and and, uh, that had to do a lot with it. But, I mean, in the the 10 or 12 years that, that, that you worked full time, I mean, you progressed from an opening guy to a main eventer within uh, a, a very short time, and, and you know that that that's quite a career. Uh, you, it, that's, uh, and, and, and you know, and, and I, I contribute all that 
to the guys I work with. I mean, I, I I was able to work with, I guess, the best guys in my era that were out there. I, I, I was blessed to be able to do that. And and, and it, it's, you know, there were good workers and then there was what you call great workers. And I got to work with, you know, a little bit of everybody. And and there was, a, like Mike said earlier, there were a lot of guys that didn't get the credit that they should have, such as Bull. And, and, and one of, one of my favorite guys to wrestle was Carl Cox and Murdoch. I love working with them. They they Carl Cox was you could trust him with your life in that ring. You could trust him with your life. So and Dickie was the same way, Dickie Murdoch. So and of course I, your I was, your I last. Was, your last hurrah pretty much was, and you were, like I said, you were already in semi-retirement is when you and Ronnie Garvin beat the Road Warriors for the national yep. tag team title and then lost them to Ted and, and Rip Rogers. But, I, you know, I, I contribute all, all of my success. What I consider the success for me was, was the talent that, that I was blessed to be able to work with. They, they, you know, it was... And, you we're know, just looking I, at... At the list that I made, I mean, look at all the the, the guys that you know. You work with a lot of, of veteran guys, like uh, uh, again that are, are lost to the uh, the time. The people don't even know who they are now. Terry Martin was one of the Cormier brothers. Let you know, me tell you the match. The the best tag team match we ever had. We ever ever had. We worked with him. Uh, it was Tommy and Terry Martin. That's what they right. in Kansas City. We went an hour with them, and the guy stayed and watched. That was the best match we ever had, tag team match ever, we ever, ever had. And we we tried to duplicate it the next night in St. Joe and couldn't do it. <laughs> you just couldn't do it. So we went another an hour. We a veteran team hour. like uh, Andrews and Starr, you know. What a great tag exactly. team they were, and two great workers individually. Yeah, we, we man, we worked with them every night all over that territory. And Rainey was something else to deal with, man. <coughs> but I like Ken. He was a good guy. Yeah, he was. He was a nice man. Was uh, with all the. With all the plane trips that you made and all the connections that you had to make in order, you know, when you were working TV in Atlanta and then going uh, somewhere else in the afternoon and somewhere else at night, was there a lot of stress involved as to whether you were going to make these uh, connections or not? No, not really. The only time I ever missed a show, the only time I ever missed a shot, I did, I did, uh, St. Louis on a Friday night. No. Wait a minute now. How did this work? Because it was a Sunday. I had worked St. Louis on a Friday. I worked somewhere out there Saturday. I'd flown out there. And we did St. Louis TV Saturday morning. Uh, Sunday morning. We used to do TV on Sunday mornings out there. And in St. Louis. So I was booked in Wichita, Kansas on a Sunday night. So me and George Wells got on the plane in St. Louis to go to Wichita that night. 
And we sat on the plane and sat on the plane and sat on the plane. And finally that captain come on. He said, ladies and gentlemen, we're having trouble getting the number three engine started. If you would like to do the plane until we get it the problem solved, so you're more than welcome to do that. I reached on the seat and grabbed that Halliburton. I walked right off that plane, <laughs> went to the Delta ticket counter. I said, I want the next thing smoking to Atlanta. And that's what I did. And I, didn't, I told George Wells, I said, I'm, I'm not getting back on that plane. He said, man, come on. I said, tell Dagger they couldn't get that thing started, and I ain't coming. That's the only shot I ever missed. But the only connection, I, I think I told this story, and I'll wrap my career up with this. I'm going to Japan, right? So I'm going to catch a flight out of Columbus at 7 o'clock. I get it to the airport in Atlanta. They said that flight's been canceled. So you remember Thomas, Bobby? Yeah, Big yeah. Thomas Bobby? He worked yeah. for me at the gym. So him and Kathy at the airport, I said, they took me to the airport. I said, Thomas. I said, Kathy will go open the gym. It's time to open the gym. I said, run me to Atlanta. And it was pouring down rain. So I get to Atlanta, got there, got up, ticket uh, to the Delta ticket count, uh, outside to the Sky Caps, I checked my bags to Los Angeles. So just as I was running late, and just as I got to the plane to go to Los Angeles, it was backing out. I missed that flight. My gosh. So I look at my tickets. They checked my bags back to Columbus. (laughs) What? So I go up to the ticket counter, and I said, look, I said, we got a problem here. I said, I missed my flight. That's that's on me. But I said, y'all have sent my bags back to Columbus, and they're supposed to go to Los Angeles. He said, well, what we'll do, what we'll do, we'll put a tracer on those bags, and when they get to Columbus, we'll bring them back to Atlanta and send them to Los Angeles. Well, I, I called uh, the uh, the Japan, it was called Japan Travel Agency. The guy's name was Mr. Ina. He used to handle our visas and passports and all that. So I called him and told him what happened. He said, you, and I told him what the next flight I was going to be on. So he said, okay. So it was like three hours later on another carrier. So I, I, I get to Los Angeles, and they told me my bags wouldn't get to Los Angeles to 1030 that night. So when I get to Los Angeles, he said, I have you booked on Korean Airlines. Because the boys had already gone from Los Angeles. They were gone. Going, they were already on their way to Tokyo. So I said, I told Miss Dean, I said, I'm not leaving this country without my bags. I had I had a carry-on Halliburton. Now I had just, you know, like my shaving stuff and deodorant and all, toothbrushes. But all my gear and, and my clothes for the month was still in Columbus and I told him I said I'm not leaving this I'm not leaving this country to let my bags get here he said okay so he put me put me up in a hotel right there at the airport so I went back over at 10 30 that night and sure enough my bags come off that that plane they were down there on that carousel and I got my bags and went back to the hotel get he's done booked me on the next Japan Airlines flight to uh, the next morning to Tokyo we get there he picked me up at the hotel we walk in he said, plane's full. I said, oh, my gosh. So he said, just a moment. He went behind.
behind the counter. He, he went out of sight. He come back. He's holding the ticket up. He said, "I got you on that plane." They bumped somebody. <laughs> so I, I get on that plane, and now the boys have already been there a night and most of the day, right? So time I get to Tokyo, he's already called Tokyo and told him when I'm going to get there. So uh, uh, Yoshi, that was Ricky Dozan, on his sons, he picked me up at the airport. It's a, it's a long way from the Narita Airport downtown Tokyo. I mean, it's like an hour and a half. So we get there to the hotel. The boys are getting on the bus to go to the matches. So George Gucci said, hurry up, hurry up. You know, I said, Joe, I got to go. I got to check in. I got to open my bags up, get all my stuff. I've been on that plane for 12 hours. I go up and throw all my seven bags, go straight to the matches and rest. That was the worst connection thing I ever happened to me. <laughs> that was a nightmare. Well, at least you got your at least you got your bags. Uh, I got my bags. Yeah. I wasn't leaving me without them. Cause how would I know they would have picked them sure. up and put them on a the flight to Tokyo? I, I told Mr. Enos, I ain't leaving here without them. But it, it worked out, and, and that worked out, and that was that was the only mishap that ever happened other than the engine wouldn't start, and I didn't get on that plane. So. <laughs> but that was kind of much of my career, guys. It was it was uh, it was it was a good run, and uh, uh, you know I'm paying for it physically today. But if I'd have stayed out there longer, who knows what the deal would have been? But we all did. All, you could have been you know, booked in Columbus last weekend. I can see there. See there? Mm-hmm. Been waiting, about that for two hours tonight. So. Well, you know, you know, Jerry, we uh, one night a pretty good bit about your promoting uh, later on. Uh, after and at that point, you know, most of the most of the regional booking offices were gone. Had, they were gone. Had. had uh, had that never occurred, had the regional booking offices, you know, stayed and McMahon had not taken over the business per se, do you think you would have kept your hand in the business some way? I, that, that was always my hope, that maybe I'd come over town somewhere for somebody or, you know, I always wanted to, you know, be involved. But uh, that that me doing that promotion, that was that was a horrible mistake, you know. I did try it and uh, lost a ton of money, had a beautiful place. But, you know, after a while, I said, you know, it's over. It's, it's, you know, it's over. And it was. It was over. No, no. I know Bob Armstrong walked in that building. When Dusty walked in, he said, "Man, I don't believe this place." I said, "Man, took me two years to do it. You see what I did." But you know, it was. We had a TV there for a while, but it, you know, it got too expensive, and it was, you know, the guys that you'd bring in, they they thought they were superstars, and they didn't even know what a Broadway was. And I'm going, "What? The, what am I doing?" You know, and we had some good talent. We had some great matches, and. You know, great matches, but it, it it was done. It was done. And, you know, I think that guy that went to Columbus found out it's done. Oh, yeah. it's uh it's well baked down there. It's uh you know, it's way past done, I think. Uh with what you know, the, we've talked about that show, the 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 other one where the guy ended up writing checks. 
but but let's think about it. I mean, really and truly, were were these were these guys ever really you know involved in the business? I I don't I doubt very seriously they were. Uh, I mean, to to think that they could at this point. I mean, you you tried it ten twelve years ago, and to think these guys could could try to do something like that now it's it's you know they they're not working on all their their brain cells there really well it, it, uh, bobby summons said it early on in, in in this this show we're doing tonight if he had all the money that you could spend he wouldn't spend the dime on it because you know I, i'm sure all of us heard you know nobody will ever kill this business it'll never die i'm sure y'all heard that you know oh, yeah. It, you know, you just you just couldn't see how it could possibly happen. And we drank uh, the Kool Aid. We believed it too. We we drank it until it was all gone. And, and, yep. and you know, you 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 worked in a facet of it that I I, I never did in, a, in an office and, and and saw the mechanics of that, how it was done, and what it cost to do it, and then all. And you, and you saw the money coming in. You saw the money going out. But you saw you saw every aspect of the business. And, yeah, and you at that time in in the heyday that you were there, you thought there's no way this could ever end. No, exactly. It was it was impossible. And and, and as as far as you, uh, Jay, you you was involved and you was in front of all those sixteen thousand people at the Omni. You were here at the auditorium. You was, you saw it all. And you, I'm sure you might have thought that at one time. This this will go on forever. Well, yeah, I mean, just think about it. I mean, those people had been coming and had at the city auditorium. I think the Omni happening hurt the city auditorium from the standpoint of the hardcores that went every Friday night. But yeah, but you see also. those people there every Friday night, and, you know, there was no indication from those folks, they'd been coming for years, that there was going to be any change in that, you know. Uh, it's just, they it's just they like came the back. It's just like the gentleman Bobby ran into when he had his eye done. I mean, he he enjoyed it. He loved it, you know. And right. we we not not just me. We all of us, like everybody that came through Georgia or any other territory, we we, we had loyal fans. We 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 entertained people. We made people happy. We gave them something to look forward to for the next week. And it was like this this thing is is like magic. But you know. I look at everything like my gym. My gym was just, it was, I have people send me messages. You know, they'll remember that forever. It was a special place. It was a great place. Kids started that when they was 18 years old, and they was in their 30s when I left. You know, they stayed till they was 35 or whatever, how old they were. It was, but, but everything is for a season. Everything's for a season. Yeah. Sure. Just think, Jerry, if, if McMahon hadn't happened, you could have been the uh, promoter in Pavo, Georgia, by now. I could be. Well, that's where my great grandmother was from. I'd have been happy to Pavo. Well, you know, <laughs> kayfabe was probably the final, you know, blowing kayfabe, doing away with that that McMahon did was probably the, uh, you know, the final blow. But uh, it was, he, it, it was and, and then when he did expose all that, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we worked so hard, all of us, no matter yep. Yep. what phase of it you were in. We all worked hard. We, we worked hard. We we, we loved the, what we did. 
enjoyed what we did. Uh, I think when we were in it, uh, you took it for granted. But I look back, I was blessed to have been able to have done it. I had the uh, athletic ability and, uh, you know, just like everybody else. But I, 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 I just never thought it would happen. But well, just think, it, Jerry, when we were all in it in the in the seventies and eighties. I mean, the business had been had been pretty steady for a half a century. It had exactly. been what it was for for that length of time, and it just you know. Who would have thought there would have been one person that wanted to own it all? You know. Well, I know. You know go ahead. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, oh, I, I might have told this story. We was coming from Augusta one night, and this was this was when uh, Dickie and I uh, left Florida and come up here, and those uh, Australia thing fell through, so we stayed, and it was Dickie. And myself and Buddy Colt and somebody else in the car. And Dickie and Colt got to talking. Now this was this is like seventy one, uh, whenever I first got here. Seventy two, seventy one, whenever it was. We're coming from Augusta to Savannah on a Monday night and they said, You know, one day I thought this was the most far fetched thing I'd ever I don't know why they were talking about it. I hadn't been in business that long, so I, but I remember this conversation. They said, you know, one day it'll be where we'll be in Miami one night, Chicago the next night, San Francisco the next night, Denver the next night. I'm thinking, what are they talking about? They had no idea of themselves. Mm-hmm. They were talking it. They were yeah. actually talking it back then. So, you know, uh, Eddie Ironhorn tried it. You know, you can't. You back then, you couldn't buck. You couldn't buck these territories. You, no. You, you, I don't know how much money you had. You couldn't buck it. But what he did, you got to give him his due. He knew what he was doing. He took every star out of every territory, and that, that was the end of it. Yeah. He told them all because Orndorff told me, told me himself in Columbus, Georgia. That's a one of the nights, I think that's the only time I ever worked for New York. That was in, in Columbus, Georgia. I went down there. Uh, Ricky Hunter come out of the gym and said, uh, Strongbow wants to see you. The chief wants to see you tonight. I said, okay. So I went down there. He said, go get your stuff. I said, I didn't come down here to work. Go get your stuff. So I went and got my stuff. And Orndorff told me, he said, he said when they when he called me, I was in, he said, I was in Louisiana. He said, I'll make you more money than you ever dreamed of. And he said he did. So, you know, you know I, I don't. I, it does, and, I, and you know, I, I don't begrudge any of them for going and getting that money, and I don't think they knew what was going to happen to the rest of us. You know, put every promotion in the country out of business. I'd never dreamed it. You know, well, I'll, let me let me throw something at you here, just just to I want to show you the difference in mentality in McMahon and and other people because old timers in the business. Uh, not only was kayfabe real, it was also something you protected. You you sure. you know you protected. And and Georgia Championship Wrestling, when that superstation t- took off from of Channel Seventeen, we and I say we because I was working in the office had the capability, and it was discussed. It was talked about. We could have run a national promotion right out of that Atlanta office. 
That TV was so strong. We could have done exactly what you're talking about, Jerry. We could have run those major cities strictly off that Atlanta TV. And we think it might have been, I mean, the, the talk was it would have been successful because the territories had personal issues between people. It was not right. a blanket, you know, it was personal issues and you aim for certain things. But, you know, Barnett wouldn't do it because he said, I will not go against, I will not promote against another promoter. Well, When we, that, when we started I, running I Ohio... He paid the sheep money for us to run that town. I sit there and watched well, it happen. You know, you you, you know, if, if you do the right thing, you know, you've done the right thing. You know. Yep. And I respect him for that. And uh, I heard an interview Jack Briscoe did. He wanted Barnett to do that. Yeah. And that's that's when they, I think they sold their piece to Vince or whatever yeah. how that went down. I'm not sure. Yeah. And, and, well, you know. You I, know. I, McMahon was very slick about how he did what he did. It didn't happen overnight. And, and you know, I think he made people believe that what he was doing was going to be good for business for everybody. And they had no idea that he was actually going to totally destroy the business. But right. it, that, was his final, that was his final outcome. You know, once he realized that the... Uh, the organizations were were the licensing uh, for, for the various states uh, that was costing him money. He said, "Okay, it's it's it, it's entertainment." Uh, that it was the final was thing. You know, it yeah. was always entertainment. But, but, yeah, sure. But I heard I heard Harley do an interview, and it, 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 it made so much sense. He says McMahon's timing was perfect because sure. he said. He said, all your promoters, he says, like Don Owens had already made his money, and Don had money anyhow, and they were getting older. Geigel was older. Uh, you know, they were getting on up there, and they said, we ain't fighting this. They right. showed the tent. And, and, and I don't blame them for that either. So it was, it, the, the timing was perfect for him. And, you know, he may think so, but he's not going to live forever. And uh, Exactly. Who who knows what it'll be like? You know, it won't. We won't care, and uh, the older fans of today won't care. But who knows what it'll be like fifteen, twenty years from now? Uh, They'll still be booking you know. Brock and 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 Goldberg. <laughs> but the statement I made earlier: everything's for a season for him too. That's right. Yep. But if I'd have made the money he made before I'd lose one dollar in it, I fold up my tent and say, "I'm done." Sure. I would lose a quarter. That's me, and, you know, at my age now. But guys, and we, I know we're getting close. We're getting close to banked on that. And, yep. I know we're getting close to the end. I, I stayed late because I, I'm, this was I was on vacation this week and. Well, appreciate it. No, no. Main thing is you doing this thing for me and listening to my my tales and everything I said was straight up. And, well, the main thing is you be careful down there. And if we're going to need it, I'm serious. Jerry, we enjoyed it. If you and Kathy need somewhere to go, give me a call. I got a bedroom for you. We got we got extra bedrooms up here. Come on, brother, if you need to. Absolutely, I appreciate that, guys. But we go ride it out. All right, guys. Well, we'll get together next week and we'll do it again. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. Thank you. We thank you for listening to this broadcast. 
a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.